mothers, we need to feel like it's okay to speak up about these things. Like it's okay to want more from your partner. I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate, and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Trisha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board-certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth Podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do, but how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. So picture about 10 women sitting there postpartum between two weeks and three months postpartum. They're all, um, you know, lovingly, compassionately supporting one another. And they start to talk about some changes happening within their household with their partners. And one woman starts to share that, you know, she's struggling with a little bit of communication. Totally understandable. Postpartum, everything's in upheaval since having a baby. And the stories start to come out, you know, like um, she's up all night every night because, he quote, he works. Um, so she's the one up all night every night. And then the weekend rolls around and he's sleeping in on Saturday. And she's kind of expressing that she's in the other room holding the baby, maybe since 5 or 6 a.m. 9, 9.30 rolls around and she's just stewing like the, I, she waited for the weekend all this time and you can feel that she's getting in touch with her her very legitimate emotions about what's going on and invariably and almost on cue she pauses and then she her whole face changes and her demeanor changes and she then starts to I don't know reassure herself or everyone in the room I mean, but my husband is amazing. He's so amazing. Honestly, I don't mean to complain about him. He's, he's, he's really amazing. And she goes on this little part about how amazing he is. This is totally predictable. Trisha, do we not see this every time we run a new group? Every time. <laughs> and I would venture so far as to say that if we got any 10 women in a group together, pregnant, postpartum, menopausal, whatever... And we started having these conversations that we have in our postpartum group, we would hear the same thing. But my husband, he's so amazing. I don't mean to complain about him. He's amazing. And so what is this about? What is happening? And we don't doubt that that these women married well, that they married wonderful men who love them and who are doing their best. We don't doubt that. We don't question that. What our focus is on right now is why does she feel the need to bring that into this place. What is that need to kind of reassure oneself or the other women that he's not good, he's not doing his best, he is amazing? And just in case any husbands out there are listening, and we hope that you are, this is really about trying to understand what is happening in a woman's mind that she needs to prop up her husband in this way and and sort of justify her... Um, admiration for him to other women and to herself. Because wh- why Why does amazing have to become the goal? Do we have to marry an amazing person? 
Is that, is that important? Do we have to marry an amazing person? I think that's probably what we all hope for and strive for. It's not possible. It doesn't exist. (laughs) If you really really ask yourself what amazing means, right? There's such a, it's like almost like the difference between excellence and perfection. So the bar can be very high and we can marry people who love and respect us and with whom we have a really trusting, open, respectful relationship. But why does amazing have to come into it? And then what kind of pressure are we putting on them and on ourselves? Isn't expectation the root of all disappointment and resentment? According to the Buddhists, yes. And I couldn't agree more. (laughs) But anyway, we don't want these women to, like the woman who was speaking in our group the other day, to delegitimize what she's feeling. It's okay to say this isn't equitable right now. I'm feeling whatever you're feeling isolated in the other room while you sleep, resentful, um, overwhelmed. It's all okay within a healthy relationship. It's all okay to have these emotions. So can we relieve the pressure to remind ourselves or to assure ourselves that this person is amazing because they're not, and they're not supposed to be. So what comes up when a woman goes in this direction? What kind of emotions does she now, um, she like lays the foundation to feel what? Well, she feels guilty. Yeah. She, um, maybe there's some sort of self-protection going on there that, Mm -hmm. you know, is this feeling of like, well, I am in this really, really vulnerable space and time in my life and I need my husband to be amazing so that I feel safer and that I feel, um, you know, that he's really got me through this, but I'm not really able to speak up about my needs. So I'm just going to sort of talk about how amazing he is. So I really believe it. And I feel yeah. that extra level of, of safety. I mean, I think that's one thing that women are probably feeling and experiencing in, the, um, in that moment when they feel the need to talk about their husbands that way. I think it's reassuring. It's they're, they're making sure that they made the right choice and mm. that they're still the right partner for them. They so did true. not make a mistake. So true. <laughs> Because deep down inside, they're having a lot of questioning about that. Oh my God, you know, this is really hard. And I don't know if my husband is really here for me in the way I need him to be. That's right. But, you know, he's super amazing. So I'm just going to go with it. It's right. And, and I want to make sure that all these other people that I'm in this room with are understanding that I have total adoration for my husband and he's awesome. And I'm such a lucky woman. And the way I go further in my own mind when I hear this discussion, because we did talk about this with that woman, as we always bring it up, and she did get to that point. She kind of, it was really touching. She was just like, he's not amazing. He's wonderful. And I love him. And I, and I really need to talk to him about this. And we're like, yes. yes. So when we kind of um, sweep in with that way of thinking, the way I actually personally view this is you're robbing him of the opportunity to grow. You know, we can grow to love our partners so much more in this postpartum phase if we're willing to communicate what we're feeling, if we're willing to set the bar a little higher on what he can be doing. And you can grow closer in the long, you know, in the grand scheme of your relationship. Because this is where marriage starts to break down. That's right. When kids come into the picture. And if we are entering this phase with this belief that we need to justify our husbands and whatever they do, 
even if we're disappointed that we still need to consider them to be amazing because they have a job and amazing because they, you know, do a load of laundry for us every now and then, or they're amazing because they offer to hold the baby for an hour a day. But really, that's not meeting our needs. And if we're not starting to speak up about it early on, 10, 15 years go by and a whole lot more needs go unmet. And this is where things start to break down. And if we can address it early on and we can get real about how we're really feeling and we can communicate it to our partners, we stand to have a lot better um, experience in our relationship after we bring children into the picture. Yeah. And when you talk to people about why, like, let's go with it. You know, why is he amazing? Tell us about it. We're likely to hear things that touch us. We do have those moments of being very touched and moved by our partners. So she might say something like, you know, he, I watched him holding the baby and he just, he kisses the baby so much, or he carried the baby all day, or he, you know, he's so sensitive to the baby's needs. And you hear these lovely things, these moments where we have these, like this, this swell of affection for our partners. But then I just want to say to you, if you're having those thoughts, then, then what are you? If that makes him amazing, that he's tending to this baby, that he's affectionate and tender with this baby, then what on earth do we call you? D- tending to the baby's every single little need, you know, taking the shower and the baby's crying, and it's like, I'll be right there. Okay, mommy's hurrying. Well, it's every second all day long tending to their needs, picking up on every little cue. When they're not happy on your right shoulder, you move them to your left shoulder. When yeah. they're crying, if the, if, are they tired? Are they hungry? Are they need a change of diaper? Or do they need a change of clothes? I mean, we, you know, it's it goes way, way, way beyond. And the so therefore, it's the bar is lower. If we're thinking this way, lower for them, higher for us, which lets us feel even guiltier because when we do the slightest thing that might not perfectly tend to the baby's needs, we can be that much harder on ourselves. So let's talk about that emotion guilt mm-hmm. that comes up when we, when we um, have this conversation and why our new mom's feeling so much guilt. Well, guilt is, um, it's partly a function of how intensely bonded we are to our babies. So when we're very intensely bonded, and it, for some women it happens right after birth, and for some women it happens a few days later, and in pretty extreme cases it can take weeks or months. But it is a function of how bonded a woman is to her baby. So she can feel guilty very easily. Like if she's in the shower and the baby wakes up and starts to cry, and it takes her three more minutes to rinse the shampoo out of her hair and jump out soaking wet and pick up the baby. She can feel guilty that the baby's needs weren't met for a couple of minutes. Um, and that's, and then the birth experience can have a woman feeling so guilty. You know, the baby is separated at birth. It's the more sensitive moms who really are hard on themselves in this area. That's the irony. Yeah. It seems that as soon as these little creatures come into our world, we're finding all of these things that were all of these things in these ways that we're not necessarily meeting their expectations. Or it's not really their expectations. It's this expectation that we have for ourselves or that our, our society or our family members have for us as mothers. And it's impossible for us to feel like the 
the perfect mom and we have such a high expectation for meeting every need of this baby and the need of our husbands and the need of our family members and the need of our friends and our community. It was like, how can we possibly do it all? And why do we feel so bad if we don't? We're here to build resiliency in these kids. We want children to be resilient. Totally. And you are meeting their needs. And if it's not every second of every day, you are still meeting their needs. These children are taken care of. I would argue that not meeting some of their needs is way more beneficial than meeting all of their needs. What's an example you would provide? I just, I think that, well, it's an unreal expectation in life to have somebody meet all of your needs, right? You need to learn how to care for yourself and why that sounds a little extreme when we're talking about a baby (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean that but I mean that like even in it's a mentality as a parent so if you think that every time your baby's needs are not immediately being met you're failing as a parent you're going to struggle because you're not going to meet all their needs throughout life and you're going to meet their basic needs you're going to you're going to love them. You're going to provide for them. You're going to give them food and shelter and all of these things. And you're going to give them great opportunities. But do we really need to meet every single one of their needs every moment? That's impossible. And, and you just, you just, you're just setting yourself up for feeling like a failure all the time. And that's more harmful to the child than, especially a child beyond the newborn stage, that's more harmful. A mother who feels guilty and who's beating herself up than having that occasional need not met. But that's what this that's, generation that's of parenting where is That's where they build to. their resiliency. It starts young. Right, right. It's right. a key message for children is like, well, you can handle that. Absolutely. Right? Totally. So back to marriage, it's kind of the same message we can lovingly give our partners. Like, um, so often women say, well, he works. Okay, he's working maybe 8, 10, 12 hours a day. Are you working 8, 10, 12 hours a day, whether you're at home on maternity leave or you're an at-home mom? This is around the clock with no reprieve. And an 8 or 12-hour workday is nothing in comparison. Nothing. Be, and that, can, that can be fulfilling. The, you know, we've, we, we who had babies worked before we had babies. And there's, you know, the, you get a lot of needs met when you're out there working. You get a lot of needs for recognition and, and other things. But so frequently the argument is, well, I can't be tired for work. Why not? Why, just why not? I'm tired for work every day <laughs> as a new mom. <laughs> every day when I have to get up at 6 a.m. and But even if you baby. have, like, even before we had kids and we had a presentation or an important negotiation or a business trip and there were the nights we went to bed too late or didn't get a good night's sleep or whatever it was. And okay, like you are just tired the next day. Okay, you can handle that. Right. But for some reason, when it comes to babies and the husbands and the mothers, there's this, or the fathers and the mothers, there's this ingrained belief that it always falls back on the mother is the responsibility to be the tire it's a, like it's normal for the mother to be tired it's not normal for the father to be tired which is just not fair and it's not healthy and you know marriage has a lot of chapters and it's just this chapter that uh, that the postpartum mom is very dependent and she feels like well this is my life now no no in 10 years 20 years you're going to be completely 
vibrant again and reinventing yourself. And it's in our older age, the men can grow very dependent on the women. Statistics support that. And I think it makes so much sense for men to realize this is really an investment in their long-term marriage. She's not going to be dependent on you forever. So take care of her and step it up and come up with a framework for it. When you moved in together, you had to decide who did chores. Well, you wipe that slate clean now. There's a baby now. Now, who? even if it's just for one year, for the next year, it's like, okay, you do all the laundry for the next year. You just do it. Come home two nights a week and or whatever, four nights a week and do the laundry or you do all the grocery shopping or you do all the cleaning after dinner. You just wipe that slate clean. Gosh, I wish I would have done that. Yeah. Oh, the other thought I had. Yes. Oh, yeah. It would be. I mean, we I all. think I was just so satisfied that my husband was even interested in holding the baby yeah. or could be alone with the baby for an hour or was willing to change a diaper. I mean, I, I really felt that all the responsibility was mine and anything that he did was bonus. Well, you might have had the thought and knowing you, you probably did like, well, I wanted to be a mother. That's right. And that's you. That's OK. You can want to be a mother and not be a what feels like you're bearing too much of this a hundred percent of the time. The other example is to just put a framework around it. For example, if you need him to get up during the night, sometimes maybe it's not best to just snap when you're overtired and be like, wake up, you know, get up the baby. Cause you're just so angry now and you've snapped, but say, okay, every Wednesday and Saturday, or even if for a breastfeeding mom, even to, to if she's not co-sleeping, bring the baby over so she doesn't have to get up and then we won't be so disturbed, but two nights a week. And then he might go to bed at 8.30 or 9 to make up for that rough night. But this is an investment in your relationship. You're so right. And it's such a good idea. And just thinking back, I remember feeling so guilty when I would make my husband get up yeah. and get the baby in the middle of the night. Because he worked. Because he worked. And by the way, I was in graduate school at the time <laughs> doing full-time clinical. Okay. Oh, so, oh, oh. Um, I, I, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yes. With I, your first? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, for the first six months. And I... Did you say full-time? Yes. Full-time at Yale getting a master's. Yes. And you were doing all of that. And See I, that? I took my final exams when Lola was two weeks old. And oh, I still felt guilty wow. that I had him get up sometimes and get the baby. I don't even think I, in those first two weeks, I, I didn't ask him to do anything like that. So that to me is not his fault. This is the crazy part. Like this is on us. Right. This right. is not to sit in the room and say, oh, they should be doing more. No. It's like women, why are you feeling guilty? Why are you, why aren't you setting the bar higher? Like you do when you really are willing to love and respect someone, you do set that bar higher. Well, and some of it's like you were talking about at the beginning, the the, the concept of excellence versus perfectionism and right. the feeling, the need to be the person who can handle it all and do it all. And I was 26 at the time, so I had a lot of energy. Um, and I really believed I could I could do it all and I really didn't I need Mother of the year. any other help. <laughs> I've heard that term, do it all to women uh, regarding women much more than men like oh she's just she's got it all she's beautiful and she's got a great career and she's got kids and a great husband and I so rarely hear someone saying he's got it all he's a great father he so we hear this message and we might want to be perceived as that woman who does it all that's so true you never hear men I don't I can't think of that I don't think I do hear that Mm -hmm. and other women women talk about women that way 
Oh, yeah. So we perpetuate it's, it. Sure. It's yeah. cultural. I mean, we really. It's cultural. Want to be like that uber mom. And it's impossible to have and do it all because even when working and having children is the right choice for women, it always comes with anguish. You know, when you're at work and that wonderful, fulfilling career, you do have that longing to, or that guilt around not being with your child full time. And if you're with your child full time, you have that longing to be a little bit more and to do a little something else and to be seen as something else. So how can we do it all? Because each one would require kind of a full-time commitment. So it's always, you're always taking a little bit of a sacrifice somewhere. Oh, we, I mean, in our groups, it's this, always this, this conversation about like, how do, how do we win as moms? Because if we're the working mom who is having childcare for the baby, we're feeling guilty. And if we're the stay-at-home mom who's not out doing something in the world, we're also feeling guilty or unfulfilled. So it's really tricky for women mm-hmm. during this time it's of life. It's very... really hard and there is no right answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but having these conversations is so helpful about just learning what works for you. Mm-hmm. What works for you and what works for me? I mean, we know this from just sharing our own stories. Mm-hmm. Different, right. really different. The only thing I think that's harder is the occasional at-home dad. Because every now and then, there's the woman who goes back to her career and her husband or her partner stays home full-time. And I think that's the only scenario that becomes even harder because as little support as there is for women, there is virtually none for men. So if it is that man who's staying home with his child what does he do? Is he, uh, it's really tough scenarios. He out exchanging phone numbers with other women and saying, Hey, want to get together for a play date? I hope so. Yeah. But is that, is society prepared for that? And are they questioning that or is he not treated as legitimate? I know a couple of at home dads, uh, just some of my I've favorite men. I've always been really fascinated by those cases. I sometimes I'm, bump I'm into fascinated them. by the women and how they feel in that, in that situation. And I'm fascinated by the men and how they feel. I know a few families where it works really well, and I love these dads. I bump into a few of them um, at the store sometimes, and I love bumping into them. And they seem really, really, they're cut out for it. They're good-natured and cheerful and patient. But I always think, what's their community like? I hope they have community. Because where do they build their community as men? Look how hard it is for the mothers even just Mm -hmm. to build that community. I mean, these moms who are coming to our group are struggling to find people in their same place and state of mind. So what, I mean, it must be really isolating for men. Down to Birth is sponsored by Postpartum Soothe. Recovering from a vaginal birth takes many women by surprise. Everyday activities like sitting, walking, and going to the bathroom can be uncomfortable. And Postpartum Soothe is just the remedy to support your healing and relieve discomfort. Postpartum Soothe is a 100% organic herbal blend that's applied to maternity pads in the days immediately following your birth giving you all the benefits of a sitz bath 24-7. That's because herbs like comfrey leaf, uva ursi, and witch hazel are known for their antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory properties. Postpartum Soothe can be prepared anytime during the third trimester, and it makes a beautiful baby gift. It's a must for any woman seeking a faster, easier recovery from a vaginal birth. Visit postpartumsoothe.com. That's postpartumsoothe, S-O-O-T-H-E dot com and use promo code down to birth. Do we have any do we have any tips for the women who are struggling to bring this up with their husbands how to approach the subject? We always seem to see that there are a couple of different camps here because when we're with a group of women after a couple of weeks 
we know the women who speak to their partners, they come back the following week and they share those difficult conversations. It might even be an argument. And they share those conversations that they have with their husband where they're like, I can't do this. It's, I'm tired or you have to do this. Or why do you get to go to the gym every Saturday and I'm home? I want to go to my yoga class. And they share these stories. And I know they feel like they're the woman in the room who's sharing yet another argument with the partner. But I'm thinking, what a healthy relationship that you're grappling together through this, that you have enough respect for each other and commitment in this relationship to go through this pain and struggle together. Because the women I'm more concerned about are the ones who don't speak up. The quiet ones. They're like we had a mom, Trisha, remember on, um, on Monday, another mom in the same group, mom of two. She went out for, I think, the first time postpartum for a couple of hours. Do you remember this? The what? one who left the door open? The, no, that oh. was another one. <laughs> that was great. No, 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 no. Another, okay. another dad who left the house and left the front door wide open. Yeah. That was great. He forgot to close <laughs> oh, the door. No. That, was, that was harmless. Um, it turned out to be totally harmless. No, the mom who came home to her toddler and newborn. Oh, yes. And she said that, that he was watching TV and the the house was in chaos. Even the dirty diapers weren't thrown away. Yes, they were sitting on the couch like next to the husband food on who the was floor. sitting with the baby on the couch. She couldn't yeah. walk because there were things everywhere. And then in, what we always hear too is, and I know you've heard this, Zoo. I know you've heard women say this, that they feel like their partners think their only job is to just keep the child alive. Right. Watch the baby. I, I, just they're watch. alive the baby and yes. nothing is done or the toddler didn't eat lunch and it's 2 30 p.m or their toys are everywhere can you relate oh oh violent flashbacks <laughs> violent flashbacks <laughs> it reminds me of that time we went out one night and I was dropping you off at home and I don't know if it was like 9 30 or 10 and we pulled up to your house and we could see through the window, Eric was like playing the, the guitar. Your Eric was playing the guitar and your kids were like jumping up and down dancing. And I turned around and drove you right back away. <laughs> I'm like, we're going back out. You can text him and tell him. I'll try again the, in 10 minutes. Get the kids to bed before I walk in that exactly. door. What are you doing playing the guitar and getting them all worked up? Two hours past their bedtime or whatever Classic it was. Dad. Imagine there's a lot of women out there right now going, oh my God, that's my husband. Yeah, like he was yes. binging some oh show God, he's yes. really into. Like, with all the, the time. Kids there. Yeah, for sure. I think that's <laughs> happening all of the time. Yeah, yeah. So, so communication. And we want to see the woman who's having that discussion. If it needs to be an argument, then it okay. I mean, we, we hope to come up with communication skills where it isn't one. You do that by just figuring out what you're feeling and owning your feelings without being blaming or name calling. But those are the relationships where I think there's really that growth is happening. Yeah. And first of all, though, women, mothers, we need to feel like it's okay to speak up about these things. Like it's okay to want more from your partner. It's an act of love. I really believe that. It's an act of it's love an act for him. Self-love yes, first. Yes. And then love for your partner. Yes, love in your relationship. Like this relationship means enough to me to have this argument right now. And and and, and I'm going to take good care of myself by communicating this to you so that you and I do better, better parents, healthier marriage, happier family, happier life. Mm-hmm. It's definitely part of uh, self-respect and self-care. It's it's weird to think about it that way, but it is self-care. The, you need to take true. care of yourself yeah. in order first, to take first. care of other people. First, and we gosh, women, we struggle with that so much. We feel, oh, here comes that guilt again. Mm-hmm. So guilty mm-hmm. if we put ourselves first. Mm-hmm. 
but we're doing a disservice to everyone around us when we don't. Mm-hmm. And, yes. you know, it's so, so I think, first of all, everyone out there listening, it's about being comfortable having needs and speaking up about them. And it's okay. And the more that we can communicate with our partners about it, the better off everybody's going to be. You know that you just brought it back for me a little bit because before I had my son, Alex, I was perceived as a high achieving woman. I felt like a high achieving woman and I didn't realize it, but I started to really, I don't know if my ego got attached to it, but there was that, there was that going on. There was the day we came home with Alex. It was seven hours after I gave birth and Eric and I got home. And my brother, I insisted my brother and my sister-in-law come home with us. And they were like, are you sure? I said, please come before you go back to the city. Come home. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so oh, there's that. It's they were fine like, thing oh, again. Yeah, and I meant it. I was really happy to have them. And they came up and kind of sat and it was surreal and beautiful. I had just given birth and I was fine. And we were sitting there and introducing our dog to the baby and vice versa. And about an hour later, they were like, all right, well, we're going to get going. And I said, no, no, stay for dinner. Stay for dinner. And I stood up and started to go to the kitchen. Yeah. And my husband just said, Cynthia, sit down. Just I'll make dinner. Sit down. And while he was saying that, I could feel my heart racing, like almost in a scary way. And I sat down and I look back thinking, what is wrong with you? What were you doing? <laughs> what what was happening in my head where I had to show them, oh, not only did I give birth and it was so easy and great, but now I'm going to make dinner. What crazy okay. thing was in my head? See, this, this <laughs> is why good for anybody. This is why we're like soul sisters. Right. Because I was the same way. Four days after Lola was born, I was in the kitchen. Four days. Four days. In the kitchen baking homemade pies for Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, Okay. Oh. I'm so sorry to hear that, Trisha. Rolling out the dough. <laughs> Rolling out. Oh. the out. No, I'm kidding. You From scratch. Did not. They have sell a the photo. To, I, have a, I have the photo shaped. to prove it. Lola's in a sling. I have my final exams in two weeks. Thanksgiving is today. Everybody's coming over. I got this. Like, and I did it, right? But sure. At, at what cost? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. If I knew then what I know now about setting boundaries for myself and and taking better care and being able to ask for help and being able to being okay with having needs and not being able to do it all maybe things would have been a little different I also think of both of those scenes between me getting up and offering to make dinner and Trisha baking rolling out the dough and baking the pies. I also would like we, you know, I have a son and a daughter. You have two girls and a boy. I'd like you to, I'd like us to envision our children as young adults or before they become parents, watching these scenes, witnessing and saying, what do you think about this? Like mom just gave birth and she's getting up to cook dinner. Fortunately, my husband gently kind of sat me back down and said, sit down. Uh, would have been crazy if he didn't. I mean, I don't know. Um, he did what I think most people would do in that moment. But then rolling out the dough, it's like, do you want your daughter to think this is what she has to do? Do you want your son to think this is what his partner has to do? And the answer, I think, is no, we don't. Right? What are your thoughts? Certainly not has to do. Certainly not has to do. For me, it's more like, what was I, like, right? What was happening was in your asking head? asking me to make those pies. Right. right? There was nobody was asking me to make those it's pies. It's coming from it, us. It was all coming from me and my my feeling that 
you know, you can do it all. all. You're an overachiever. You're a high achiever. Yes. And I wanted to be a mother and here I am just, and this is how I envisioned being a mom. I'm exactly the same. I just have a baby in a sling now. I do everything exactly the same. Every day fresh for the rest of my children's lives. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, So it was me living out my fantasy of like what it meant to be this homemaker, uber mom, um, doing it all. Yeah, but and then the day we don't, but you know, do that, we can be hard on ourselves. Like I got nothing done today. Oh, oh really? For sure, for sure. <laughs> you got nothing done, and it, with and this it, baby. It wasn't the toll that it took on me that day on Thanksgiving. I was fine. I had a great day, yeah. and I, you know, I felt okay, and I took a rest in the afternoon. Right. It was the toll that it took on me over the next ten years of trying to maintain that that expectation for myself, and the not asking my partner for help. Right. And the incredible thing is when you ask, most partners say yes, or sometimes they say, no one likes to hear this, but all you had to do was ask. And then the woman always wants to be like, why do I have to ask? No, no, that's never a good response. It's not not a great, but yet better to ask and take responsibility for asking for what we need than not. But it's, it would also be in a perfect world. We don't have to ask, but if, no one is offering, we still have to ask. Because most people would like to step it up, even if they have a little fight first and push back, they usually feel their own self-respect go up when they do step up more. What totally. do you think? Do you I agree with that? Yeah, I really agree. And I would say, you know, in my situation, my my husband saw me as someone who could do this. So he wasn't offering help because he probably felt like it was going to be some sort of, you know, criticism or I was going to take it that way like what do you mean you think I can't do this all of course I got this I can do this all and he saw me that way but he saw me that way because I didn't change the story I didn't change the picture I didn't express that I might need a little bit more help than I was getting and another thing just comes to mind with what you just said that some women are told by their partners but this is easier for you than it is for me but you're a woman, but you, but you are designed this way, but you can function better when you're tired than I can. Mm -hmm. And that is just not fair to say, because (laughs) what can she say to that? She's still a human being who needs sleep, but a lot of women get that in response. What do you think about that? Have you heard anything along those lines? I think one of the things that I heard was, um, oh, but you have breasts. What does that mean? Oh, for the breastfeeding? (laughs) Well, that's fair. That's true. (laughs) Right. And I was like, well, I guess, yes. Yeah. Well, you're not asking him to breastfeed. Right. (laughs) But there was so many other things. And okay, there's such a table. better yeah. way to say that, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. We could find a much better way to say that's a true point and true. What is, you, no, you're just like, what does that have to do with laundry? <laughs> <laughs> so to all you amazing husbands out there. Mm-hmm. Being good is enough. Doing your best is enough. And to all the women out there, he doesn't have to be amazing. Can we try to strike this word from our vocabulary? You just might feel better about him and have more realistic expectations. You're, you are more likely than not two people who really love each other, neither of whom is having their needs met right now. So be gentle with each other and let's not seek to be amazing. Let's not seek to make people think we're amazing when they see us in the grocery store and we want to make it look like everything is so easy and we're taking motherhood in stride. No one can take it in stride. It's a big deal. The good news is it gets easier, but your relationship is worth investing in. Have the conversation. Take responsibility for emotions, but always follow it up with a request 
as to how your partner can better support you through the stage. And if you're that at-home dad, that rare occasional at-home dad, because we're seeing more of those, then this all, we flip this conversation around and this goes to you because that shouldn't be a 24-hour job for you either. Yeah, for anyone. That's why we do it in partnership. If you enjoyed our podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share a favorite episode or two. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at DownToBirthShow or contact us and review show notes at DownToBirthShow.com. Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit DownToBirthShow.com slash disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself. It's amazing. To me, it's amazing when, when you are witnessing yourself during this transformation, when you have this moment like, oh my God, I sound just like my mother right now. It's utterly, like it's a bizarre form of time traveling.